conversation. Great to listen to. Thank you, as always, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. I really do want you to remember those in Congress who say there are irregularities in voting, but they show no proof. And no, this is not about shaming Trump supporters. Don't fall for that. This is about shaming those who want to keep this country from coming together, left, right, and reasonable. And these people in Congress are compromising you for their own political convenience. In the process, they are delaying much needed help for too many. People are sick and starving in this country, and they know it. Why are they surrendering the needs of the many for the needs of one? Well, we learned a little bit more about why tonight. Maggie Haberman says Republicans may be so afraid because, quote, Mr. Trump is talking seriously about announcing that he's planning to run again in 2024. Aware that whether he actually does it or not, it will freeze an already crowded field of possible Republican candidates. And Republicans say it will keep the wide support he showed even in defeat and could guarantee a lucrative book deal or speaking fees. Sources tell CNN they expect Trump to tease a 2024 run when he does finally acknowledge the results. Those sources expect Trump to dismiss the 2020 race as a fraud with no proof and hinting, I'll be back. Sure, this may all work out well for him, but the rest of the Republicans are submarining your democracy in the process. This is not America first. It is Trump first and only. You need more proof? Just today, the CISA, that's the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, part of Homeland Security, Trump's own administration, obviously, says in a new statement, in boldface, there is no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. Why won't the cronies in Congress own that? Why won't they put you first instead of Trump? Together as ever as one, no matter who you voted for, whether you voted at all, this has to be about us. It's our only way through. And those who should be serving us, doing their job, but they're only serving their own dilatory druthers. Every day they talk about Trump's cause, they abandon your own. They're not even talking about, let alone acting on, the worst pandemic numbers to date. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing to do differently. We're dying at a faster rate, and they're doing less. They promised stimulus post-election. Remember that? Where is it? 709,000 more Americans just filed for unemployment. First time. More people are on food lines than at any time since the Great Depression. What happened to America first? Mr. McConnell leader of the Senate. He won't answer if Biden should get classified briefings, even though he's entitled to them as the president-elect. And no movement for stimulus by him. Senate Majority Whip John Thune says, yeah, give Biden the briefings, but only because, quote, makes sense to prepare for all contingencies. Look, taking office after being elected president is not a contingency. It's called democracy. And all of those undermining it know it. They're questions, they say. Based on what? Where is the proof? If questions were enough, Trump would have been removed, not just impeached. And even more of his minions would be exchanging their names for numbers. Even those who appear to step up, 
like Senator Lankford, who did publicly voice support for Biden getting briefs, quickly gets on bended knee. We don't know yet, but we know there are issues. So allow the legal process to go through, allow the hand recount to happen in Georgia. And once we get all past that, then we'll know who the actual winner is. But at this point, we don't know. Shame on him. Look how different he is when he doesn't know that the camera's on. I believe that verse, whether President Obama got elected, whether President Trump got elected, whether now Vice President, uh, now President-elect Joe Biden gets elected, In God's house, you'll tell the truth. Well, good, you still keep that clear. And guess what? Maybe he doesn't keep it clear. You know what happened when that tape came out? He denied saying it. (laughs) It's on tape. How stupid do they think you are? I can keep exposing the hypocrisy, but wouldn't it just be better for them to just do their damn jobs? They want you to think votes for Trump were fraudulent. And yet they also want you to think that all the votes for Congress on the same ballots are okay. All the wins for Republicans, all the state legislative wins, they're good. But the Trump ones, oh, I don't know. Once people believe in absurdities, they are capable of atrocities. Voltaire was right, and these trumpets are wrong. This is the last chance for the sore losers on the left to steal the election. Brian, they're saying it's rigged. But they have absolutely no evidence that it's rigged. I don't even think we should give him the time of day. Uh, also, he's about to win. And we know it's a matter of time, uh, about to win Michigan officially. So that would put uh, Donald Trump over the top with over 300 electoral votes. It was a blowout. Uh, well, it was a blowout. I just wonder what these Democrats are doing, trying to convince their electoral uh, representatives not to vote the way the people want There are six of them. Now there's these states. Let's have a recount. It's a crisis when the people running your democracy don't believe in democracy. We believe in free speech. We believe in accepting winners and not being sore losers. They have no actual proof of voter fraud or any wrongdoing. And both the White House and the Wisconsin Elections Commission have both said zero evidence whatsoever. Now, what happened to the peaceful transition of power and supporting the incoming administration? You seriously can't make it up. You change Trump for Biden and the R's for the D's. And they're saying the exact opposite now of what they said then with the exact same basis of proof. Zero. It's as obvious as it is ugly. Now, President Obama, who welcomed Trump to the White House right after his victory in 2016, he nailed it. He nailed what's going on today. Listen. They appear to be motivated in part because uh, the president doesn't like to lose and uh, never admits loss. I'm more troubled by the fact that other Republican officials who clearly know better are going along with this, are humoring him in this fashion. Um, It is one more step in delegitimizing not just the incoming Biden administration, but democracy generally. And that's a dangerous path. ...becomes, will our institutions rise above the rabble? Well, here's one good nod. The Joint Chiefs of Staff chair just said something that really shouldn't have to be said at all, but maybe it does. And he said it on Veterans Day of all days, while Trump is upending the Pentagon to fill it with loyalists. Listen to this. We are unique among armies. We are unique among militaries. We do not take an oath 
to a king or a queen, a tyrant or a dictator. We do not take an oath to an individual. No, we do not take an oath to a country, a tribe, or a religion. We take an oath to the Constitution. Thank God for that. At least they still seem to be keeping the priorities straight. But how sad that the chair of the Joint Chiefs is a standout for saying the obvious. Doesn't it just expose what is not being said by those in power right now? This is America, lest we forget. Not long ago, the head prosecutor at Trump's impeachment trial told Republicans, if you find the courage to stand up to him, to speak the awful truth to his rank falsehood, your place will be among the Davids who took on Goliath. If only you will say enough. That was Chairman and Congressman Adam Schiff, Chairman of the House Intel Committee. He joins us now. Welcome back to Primetime. Thank you, Chris. So you foresaw something like this, but what do you make of so many members of the Republican Party in your ranks in Congress holding up a baseless assessment of this election? Well, it's, it's shameless, uh, and it does, as President Obama said, put us on a very dangerous path. But it's the culmination of four years of this. Um, the president was really only able to attack, for example, the independence of the Justice Department because the Republicans stood mute or went along with it. Uh, he was only able to violate the Hatch Act and host a convention on the White House grounds because the Republicans went along with it. He was only able to fire inspector generals or punish whistleblowers or any number of acts, anti-democratic acts of the last four years because the Republicans went along with it. And now, most dangerously, they're going along with the big lie about the election we just had. Um, and where does it end, Chris? Uh, you know, you might say, well, it'll hopefully end with the Georgia special election because right now they don't want to piss off the president and risk uh, retribution in Georgia. But it won't end there either, because as long as he's hanging out the prospect that he might run or even if he doesn't run in four years, he might uh, bestow the crown on someone else. They're going to continue to debase themselves and with it to debase our democracy. Has anybody come up to you in private and said, hold your horses? I heard some things that you're going to want to have vetted about this election as well. Has anybody offered you anything? No, no. And uh, I mean, look at the and you, you alluded to it earlier, but the, the, the incredible statement coming out of the Department of Homeland Security, um, that uh, CISA agency within Homeland, uh, clear as day, basically saying there's none of this uh, massive fraud uh, in terms of this particular election system that the president is alleging. Basically, you have the Department of Homeland Security saying, in effect, there's nothing truthful about what the president has just said. Um, you know, I give them credit for courage. That's a gutsy thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. There ought to be more people in Congress within the executive branch as well to show that kind of courage. So let's deal with the what nows questions. Uh, what now in terms of what can you guys do? Doesn't look like much. Um, what now in terms of what this means for your ability to get any stimulus relief going uh, or any kind of different approach to the pandemic that is eating us alive? You know, what does this mean for all these problems? Well, you know, I think that we can because we'll have to compartmentalize the need to get a relief bill passed. Uh, it just can't wait. It can't wait until we have a new president sworn in 
there are millions of businesses teetering on the edge, many of which will not be there in January if we don't act and replenish the PPP program. Millions of people whose unemployment is running out or is already run out who are hanging by a financial thread. Schools that need help, cities and states that need help. We need to get this done. I have a little bit more optimism uh, now that the election is over because the problem has been this splits the Republican conference uh, in the Senate. Mitch McConnell didn't want to bring up a relief package that would divide his members until the election was over. Um, now, he still has some of that same perverse incentive because the Georgia special isn't over, but he sounds like he is more receptive to actually getting something done than before, and we need to make it so uh, because it just can't wait. Give me a little confidence uh, in that optimism because to me it looks like you guys are into Obama redux where, you know, Mitch and the gang are going to just lock it up, even though you have the House, and he'll do what he did to Obama, you know? No judges for this cat. Uh, we're going to hold up all of his appointments, and he's not going to get anything done here unless we want it. We're still in control because they have one House of Congress. You know, look, uh, certainly I think that's where Kevin McCarthy is coming from, and that is see if we can prevent them from governing and then try to uh, argue for a, a takeover of the Congress because they didn't govern. Uh, that's what they did uh, during uh, the Obama administration. It's likely what McCarthy is going to do, and maybe McConnell as well. But, but here, Chris, this is a reason for optimism. If there was ever a president positioned to break the impasse, it's Joe Biden. Uh, he's had decades of experience working with the Congress. Uh, I don't think there's anyone who could work it better. He has relationships in the Senate. He knows how to get deals done, unlike, unlike Donald Trump. Uh, who was a good marketer but a terrible deal maker, um, Joe Biden actually knows how to get deals done. So that should be reason for optimism. Uh, and I think the American people were, are going to need to make it plain to Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy that if they don't come to the table, they're going to pay an awful price uh, in mm. Georgia and the rest of the country uh, in the midterms. Mixed message on that score, right? I mean, the Republicans did well on the congressional side and really well on the state legislative side. And, you know, Biden was there for both terms with Obama. He didn't get any big deals done. The only big thing that they got done, which was big, the ACA, was a cram down. Well, you know, that, you're right. That was big. Uh, and as a result, tens of millions of people have health care that wouldn't have it otherwise. But it wasn't um, a deal. But uh, It wasn't a deal. No, you're right. Uh, there were deals that were made. That was that was, as you say, uh, something that had to be muscled through the Congress. Um, but look, I think that Joe Biden has the, the, the personal skills. Uh, I also think that he's going to have the country rooting for him to succeed because they need the help. I mean, look at the, the hospitals are more full than ever with COVID patients. Uh, people are dying in record numbers. Uh, the country sees that. You can't be blind to that. People want to put this pandemic behind them and get the economy fully reopened again. And we know we can't do that until we defeat the virus. So I think that's a perilous thing to get in the way of. Uh, Joe Biden is going to try to defeat this thing. And we can do this. The country has overcome bigger challenges in the past. Uh, and I, I think if, uh, if Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy are nothing but an obstacle, um, the, the country will see that. 
I just wonder if they don't benefit perversely from their efforts, you know, on the president's coattails of playing down the pandemic so that their constituents aren't as worried about it uh, as yours are, even when they hear the statistics. And now you've got this time period, this period where we don't know what's going to happen, where the president is on like a revenge tour. He's shifting up all these seats in the Pentagon. You know, Gina Haspel now in the intelligence agencies seems like maybe she could be Russia revenge. Why do you think that's happening? And what do you think it could mean about what else this president will do in his time? Well, you know, I think a big part of it is just plain pettiness uh, and uh, the, the, the desire to retaliate uh, against his perceived enemies. Uh, and the president doesn't need much more of a reason than that. That is who he is. He is nothing if not vindictive. Um, but, but perhaps equally dangerous uh, are the people that he is replacing these agency heads uh, with. Uh, and these are unqualified partisan uh, hacks that really don't have the policy chops. And they're not being put in there for that reason. Uh, and if we're not, if we're not careful, they could um, create foreign policy crises in waiting for the new administration. And of course, Donald Trump wouldn't care anything about that. One of the other points we emphasized, you brought up the trial at the beginning of the segment, uh, in the trial is the one thing you can rely, rely on with Donald Trump is he will do what's in his personal interest. He doesn't care what it means to the country. Uh, and if he can sabotage the next administration, he will do it. If he can retaliate against his enemies, he will do it. Uh, if he can stay in office uh, and, and uh, essentially vacate the election, he will do it. But he won't be able to. Uh, he won't be able to. Um, and we just have to hope and pray, as you say, that a few more Republicans find their courage and their voice uh, and, and re remind themselves what they ran for office for when they ran for office so long ago. It certainly wasn't to deny a peaceful transition of power. Mm. I mean, you add the word more. Uh, right now, we're just looking for a few Republicans, period, um, to just acknowledge this. Because, you know, Trump can't do it on his own. He can play with the appointments. Um, but that's why I believe that uh, the finger of blame and shame should be pointed at the Republicans in Congress who are allowing this and pretending that this facade, you know, this farce has uh, some legitimacy to it. And I don't know how it ends at least before, like, Thanksgiving. I mean, what's the chance that anybody gets any help standing on food lines, you know, the 700-plus thousand that just filed for unemployment before Thanksgiving? Uh, Chris, it's just got to end. Uh, we have got to get the relief done. Uh, we need to, to go into session and stay in session until we get it done. You know, one thing that does also give me optimism is we need to pass a bill to keep the government open uh, no one is going to want a shutdown of the government right now. Uh, and as we negotiate the package to keep the government open, we will be negotiating the package to help the American people. And it's my hope and, and you know, to be optimistic, my expectation that we will do both. Well, look, as always, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Uh, because we need the people need help. I mean, this is really beyond left and right. This is just about what's reasonable. Uh, so hopefully McConnell does act on the instincts that you're saying may be present. Congressman Adam Schiff, thank you for your perspective and your optimism. Thanks, Chris. All right. Be well. Now, uh, the current president, Donald Trump, it's not that he's never lost. It's that he's never lost and not been bailed out before. Right. Daddy was always there. And then the banks were on the hook. So the banks were there. So is that why he's 
risking our democracy for his own ego because he just doesn't know any other way? Good question. I don't know the answer. You know who might? Mary Trump. Now, she says I'm focusing on the wrong thing. It isn't understanding what he's done that matters, but what she fears he may still do. Valuable insight. Next. So here's the latest state of play. Leaders from both parties and states across the country have said the election was good. There's been no proof of anything that could change the count and no court has found differently. So if it's not about the facts, what is Trump doing here? His only niece is Mary Trump, psychologist and author of a bestseller on how the Trump family created whom she calls the world's most dangerous man. The too much and never enough author joins us now. It's good to see you, Mary. Great to be here, Chris. Thanks. Why is he doing this? You call it an attempted coup. Really? Well, it is functionally. Um, Not because Donald is behaving like a recalcitrant brat, but because his enablers are allowing him to continue to sow doubt about a perfectly legitimate election. They're continuing to allow him to prevent a smooth transition to the next administration, and they're continuing to allow him to uh, make it seem as if the election of President-elect Biden was illegitimate somehow. So it is, I don't believe it's going to be successful, but we cannot underestimate the damage that's being done to American democracy and the people's faith in our elections going forward. Mm. You say psychologically, you don't believe your uncle is able to handle this situation or handle losing. How how so? In my family, uh, at least certainly according to my grandfather, whose opinion was the only one that mattered, the worst thing you could be was a loser. Uh, Being a loser made you weak. Being a loser made you unworthy. And as you said earlier, for the first time in his life, Donald is in a situation he cannot get out of. You know, he's never, as far as I'm concerned, he's never won anything legitimately in his life. But being on the winning side of things has always been so important to him that he's willing to lie, cheat, steal, use other people's money, power and influence to get the win. That can't happen now. So he is in a state of terror. He's in a state of rage and he's in a state of total helplessness right now. Does it matter? that the kids are reportedly divided, that the sons are on one side uh, and that uh, Jared uh, Kushner, the son-in-law and Ivanka are saying, no, this is over. Although I hear Kushner is actually not saying it's over, but reporting aside, does that divide matter in the mind of Trump? No, I don't think it does. Uh, I don't think there's anybody who could talk him down, quite honestly, because this has been allowed to go on for way too long. There are two uh, factors that I think are more important. One, the fact that he lost decisively, but the Republican Party, uh, by contrast, did fairly well. They certainly beat expectations in this election. So Donald can't blame anybody but himself for the loss. And the other uh, equally or perhaps more important factor is that, you know, we have Republican leadership. In fact, it seems like almost the entire Republican Party, as you and Congressman Schiff just said, 
continuing to go along with this charade, which only fuels Donald's need for revenge and uh, his need to play this out as long as possible. Yeah, see, that's what I don't think they get. I get that they're scared of them. I get that uh, for the special elections in Georgia, they don't want to alienate the base. I get that some of them have this crazed notion that they can be the next Trump. I don't think they get why he has successfully attached himself uh, to the anger and animus of so many people in this country in a way they'll never represent. But I think that they may be underestimating what their license, what they're enabling may actually allow your uncle to do. What do you think he is capable of that they may not be imagining? Well, this is this is the awful part of this. He's capable of anything. Right. However, he should have been rendered completely irrelevant by now. Whether he concedes or not, it doesn't matter. It's up to the Republicans to say it's over. We're moving on. As long as they don't do that, they continue to give him power. They continue to give him the ability to rile up his base and other people who voted for him. It's an incredibly dangerous situation. As usual, as you say, they're they're making an, an incredible miscalculation here by pretending that they can control this monster that they're unleashing upon us. You know, so it's a really dangerous situation. And I think Mitch McConnell in particular is focused on his short term needs, which, of course, is the, the two special elections for Senate in Georgia. And, um, you know, if he continues to allow this to go on between now and January 6th, we're going to be in a much more difficult position in a month and a half. You think your uncle would run again? Sorry. You think um, you don't even want to contemplate no. it? Uh, do you think that he would run again? He can. Yes, he can. Uh, thank you, Grover Cleveland. Um, no, I, first of all, that would, and I know that he's in a way he said that he would, mm-hmm. which is weird because that's sort of conceding the loss now. But I think that was floated initially as a way to appease him and assuage his ego. But he will never put himself in a position where he can lose like this again. First of all, secondly, it would mean for four years that he is playing essentially a supporting role, which will be very difficult for him to sustain. And, you know, most importantly, in four years, he will be the same age Joe Biden is now. However, Donald is a a very unhealthy person. He, He has a terrible diet. He doesn't exercise. And he has, you know, psychological disorders that continue to go untreated. So I don't even imagine that he'll be able to run in four years. Plus the fact, of course, he may be looking at serious uh, charges being brought against him. Mm. Do you think he has the ability to, I must say, he may not look that healthy, but he did beat COVID pretty quickly. Um, Do you think he has the ability to tell his supporters, uh, don't just donate to me, fight for me, Um, resist, come out. Don't let them do this. Do you, do you think he has that in him? He's never done that before. I guess he hasn't had to. But or do you think that's a bridge too far even for him? First of all, there is no bridge too far. Think about it this way. He said nothing publicly for the last six days. Um, six service members died in a helicopter crash. He's not addressed that. Uh, he was late to a Veterans Day memorial, stayed for six minutes and then made a flashy commercial about it. And. COVID-19 is ravaging our country. 
He's doing absolutely nothing about any of this. Americans are dying every day because of his willful inaction, uh, which we need to be, which needs to be seen in that light. This is willful. Um, he's doing nothing to contain the virus. It's going to get so much worse than it already is. So do we seriously think that he wouldn't, you know, take it a step farther? He does not care about the American people unless they are of service to him. He'll do whatever he feels he needs to do as long as the Republicans continue to allow it. Nothing your uncle is doing is a surprise, but it sure is surprising that his entire party is following following along. And I just hope they understand they're going to own this. That's why I keep telling people to remember them. Your uncle's no surprise. What they're doing is going to stay with them. Mary Trump, thank you for your insight. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. So let's go from the macro to the micro. Georgia is very much in the crosshairs, right? Two fronts. Why? Well, the runoff races are going to determine control of the Senate. Republicans have to have an advantage there, not just by the margins you see now, but the politics of the state. What happened with Biden uh, was very unusual. Now there's also another front. There is a recount of the presidential race that's going to have there. Uh, The GOP lieutenant governor says the race wasn't fraudulent. So why are they doing a recount? Let's get some clarity from him next. Six days to recount almost five million ballots by hand. That's the situation in Georgia. The interesting question is, why do it? It seems the only person who gets full satisfaction from this might be the current president. Uh, The work is also going to fall on the backs of some exhausted Americans, uh, them being the election workers who are coming off almost a month of marathon shifts. Big effort, paid for with tax dollars, but is it necessary? Nobody expects any of it to matter. The president-elect leads by more than 14,000 votes there. He holds well over 270 electoral votes, even without Georgia. Now, Jeff Duncan is the state's Republican lieutenant governor, and he joins us tonight. Thank you for doing it, sir. Absolutely. Great, great to be with you. Uh, help me understand the state of play. Uh, the law there says uh, equal to or less than 0.5% of a percentage point, a candidate can ask uh, for an audit. And then it is done by the machines recounting. uh, Or you can have a select audit where you sample individual ballots from different areas uh, just to spot check. You instead are doing a full recount by hand. Why? Well, our state's right in the middle of the process, like every other state right now, counting every legal ballot out there. We've got 159 counties, and obviously the state's working with each and every one of them. Our secretary of state, it's actually two processes, Chris. There's the process of the audit, which is a risk audit. And the Secretary of State made the decision to audit the presidential race. And Mm -hmm. based on the numbers and the algorithms and whatnot, they decided to uh, audit the entire 5 million votes. Uh, Then separate from that is the candidates are able to ask for a recount. And so that would be a separate process. Uh, In the midst of it, I think the the Secretary of State stated today that the uh, risk audit would start on Friday and end on Wednesday. And uh, certainly, you know, I I see it as an advantage for us. We're going to be able to gain the confidence of uh, 11 million Georgians and nearly 5 million people who voted in the the recent election. Uh, Governor, do you have a reason? And I know it's lieutenant governor, but I was raised by a lieutenant governor. You call me Jeff. No, no, no. I respect the title. Uh, Lieutenant governor and governor are both governor. That's why I say it. Um, Governor, uh, do you have any reason to believe that the count is off? Well, we continue to work very closely with our attorney general, Chris Carr, 
with our Secretary of State's office, Brad Raffensperger. Uh, they have all the resources ready and available to, to investigate. Certainly, they're continuing to field some calls. There's some things out there. I think we've heard some early reports about mm. potentially some deceased individuals and, and certainly some, some issues out there, uh, and they continue to investigate those. At this time, I've not seen any sort of systemic irregularities or any sort of systemic issues, but there's still time, and certainly this audit is, is out there to make sure that they, they don't exist. Right. Uh, because at the end of the day, look, this is a bipartisan goal here for all of us. We want this election to be fair and legal and every legal vote to be counted. And certainly we, we all champion that process here in Georgia. Right, but usually you're not waiting for proof of a problem. Um, you're acting if there is proof of a problem, which you say you haven't seen uh, any substantial or systemic issue here, and yet you're doing a full recount, which isn't even called for by law. It seems like uh, you're going an extra mile to make somebody happy. Is that a wrong assertion? Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, the, the law actually calls for a risk audit, and they've, they've all gotten in the room together. But a risk audit isn't the, the entire audit, count. Am I correct? Well, the, uh, actually, the risk audit, as described to me, uh, would, would require, because of the statistical closeness of the race, would require several million. And so it would take so much time to pull out several million votes, as opposed to just being able to go through the six-day period of time and count the full five million. So I believe uh, other folks, much smarter than me, have decided that that was the best way, most efficient way forward. Uh, to take the risk audit. So a risk limiting audit winds up being the same thing as a full recount, even though in the state law it describes it as a partial process just to kind of take the temperature of what's out there, you know, a sampling as opposed to a full recount. Well, I believe this, the secondary process is a candidate is, is allowed to ask that's a for that machine recount, recount because of the half. That, that's correct. So look, we, we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of opportunities here to earn the confidence of Georgians. Uh, and certainly we're, we're, we're going to be proud of our effort as we put forward. If Biden had said, I think I won by more, I want you to recount all the votes, would you have done it? Yeah, look, I, I think that he has that legal right. I, you know, I, Chris, I, I, look, just because the, the guy I voted for isn't ahead right now doesn't mean my job description changes, right? Mm -hmm. And so my job is to go to work every day and follow the letter of the law. And certainly that's what I'm going to take seriously. And I know that our Secretary of State, Attorney General, and our election offices are doing exactly that. Uh, it is absolutely imperative for us to earn the confidence of our Georgian voters and, and also the candidates. Anybody who's put their name on the ballot deserves the right to have every legal vote counted. And that's the process we're right in the middle of doing right now. How do you feel about what's happening? Do you believe uh, that Joe Biden is the president-elect? Look, I, I think those terms are, are, are left with the media. My job is to count the votes and to make sure we certify a fair legal election here in Georgia. And to make it even more complicated, I heard you, you mentioned on the lead-in, was you know, we also have uh, the, the balance of the Senate is sitting here in right. Georgia. And so, you know, look, we, obviously a lot going on here, uh, and, and certainly I want to make sure, if, as a Republican, I want to make sure I focus hard on trying to get David Perdue and, and Kelly Loeffler back into the Senate. They called for the Secretary of State to step down because they didn't like that the election was the way it was. You agree with that? Yeah. Well, I haven't talked to them yet. I've worked very closely with the Secretary of State's office. He's been, he's been great to work with at this point. They're, their team so has communicated very well to us. Well, certainly I haven't seen any, any challenges on my mm. end, and, and he's made it very clear he's not stepping down. So yep. I think he's, I, I he's taking statement. care of that. Point. Just one other thing, Governor, and I appreciate your yeah. time. You do know that president-elect is not a media creation. It is not a term that we use. It is a term of art within our constitutional democracy. You know that, right? That president-elect well, matters. Look, I, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you take that term. At this point, I'm going to focus on the election. But, but Chris, I so will tell you this. So you don't use the term president-elect? I, I feel well, like a duck I, I in a question. Will. I don't know why. No. You know, so if, if you let me answer, Chris, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. 
when we see our certification here in Georgia and when we watch the, the, the other states certify, I'll be proud to call whoever is out there president-elect because that's what America has voted for. And certainly we still have a process uh, to work forward. Did you wait in 2016 when Trump won or did you call him president-elect before the certification? I, I can't remember back that far. That's 2016. Really? You're a young man. You should be able to remember that. Far. I, think, I think a lot has changed I, since I, I 2016. Get I'll give 2018. You that. But I'll give you that much. A lot has changed since then. Lieutenant Governor, I appreciate your candor. I don't mean to be cute. Thank you. This no, is a very no, serious situation, you. and I appreciate you doing it. Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, good luck to you there. I hope everything is accurate and to everyone's satisfaction. Thank you. Be well. All right. Now, uh, you know, media or not, Joe Biden is president-elect. It's not because I say so. It's not that the media called it. This is the way that we do it in every election. Pending certification, of course. Nobody's saying don't certify it. We're saying don't suggest that it's screwed up without proof. That's all. And that's why careful conversations like that are necessary, because this is a strange situation. So how do we get out of this pandemic? That's a puzzle, because that's what's waiting right now. We're going to bring in someone hard at work on it, a frontline member of President-elect Biden's new coronavirus task force. How do they see the problem? What do they think should be being done that hasn't been done before them? And when will that happen? Next. All right. Assuming the new administration comes in sooner rather than later, or at least as constitutionally directed, let's get the basics. COVID is real, COVID is bad, and yes, COVID is now real bad. It is exploding across the United States at a level we have not seen before. And yet our president has literally said nothing about it turning for the worse. He's literally said nothing about the crisis at all since the election. And he wonders why he lost. His loss isn't the problem. It's a thousand lives a day that are being lost. That's the problem. The overall death toll stands at more than 242,000. You'll hear people say, yeah, but as a percentage of cases, we're doing better than most. Just because we've gotten better at keeping people alive doesn't mean they come out okay. Just because we have more medicines and treatments doesn't mean it's okay. The CDC model projects now that more than 39,000 people could die in the next three weeks Another model used by the White House says the overall death toll could exceed 400,000 within the next four months. You think you can say that and it is what it is? Comfortably? President did. The absence of leadership is a problem here. It turned the likelihood of a dark winter into a certainty. The Biden administration knows that they will inherit it. The question is, can they do better? Dr. Robert Rodriguez is a member of Biden's Coronavirus Task Force and an emergency care physician. He joins us now. Doc, thank you. Great to be here, Chris. Congratulations. Let me ask you, when you look at the problem, what are you hearing from the group in terms of group approach and what needs to be different? Well, Chris, the first step is taking it seriously. And this team is a testament to the fact that President-elect Biden, Vice President-elect Harris, are locked in on this. Addressing the COVID-19 pandemic is their number one priority. And they put this team together to hit the ground running such that on uh, day one, we're gonna turn this thing around. We're gonna put the country on a path to, to turn this thing around. And I'm fully confident, Chris, that towards the end of January, 
Americans are going to uh, give a sigh of relief and finally feel start to feel safe again. Why that might happen is a function of how, meaning what you do between now and then. Critics of uh, President-elect Biden say your plan is Trump's plan. You're not going to do anything differently than he did, except maybe how you talk about it. Is that true? No, not at all. I, I, I don't agree with that. We're going to be much more aggressive. Uh, we're we're going to do smart, very smart contract contact tracing. Excuse me. We're going to be uh, very aggressive in other measures to, to address vulnerable populations. This this team is an A1, A, A positive, A plus team, Chris. And uh, I'm confident that we're going to advise the president elect and uh, we're going to come up with ways to to really approach this differently. And again, starts with that taking it seriously and listening to the science and President-elect Biden, Vice President-elect Harris are doing just that. In our first meeting with the President-elect and Vice President-elect Harris, the uh, they were laser focused. I can tell you that they were. They asked great questions, ex- extremely high-level questions that showed that they understand the problem. And most importantly, Chris, they they listen to us. They, uh, it's clear that they're going to listen to the science. Well, look, as I told you before we started the commercial, you got a low bar uh, for success because the current president uh, kept telling everybody that COVID wasn't real and it was a hoax. The question now becomes uh, how you can get us to a better place. And the bar for that is going to be lockdowns. People are afraid of them. They believe that it does more harm than help. Do you believe that there can be control of the numbers without shutting things down completely? I do, Chris. I, I do believe that. I think that uh, it's really a matter of being smart about it. It's a, really a matter of, of doing the basic things, mask wearing, uh, making that an emphasis, making it a sort of universal approach to that, uh, just uh, a, a, an approach where you consider the particular circumstances of the community. And so I, I don't believe that a, a full lockdown is 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 going to be what the way to go. But um, again, we we have to take it uh, community by community. Dr. Rodriguez, congratulations on being the task on the task force. You know, if 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 you want to help people, now is the time and you're in the right place because this pandemic is literally killing us. So thank you very much. Good luck going forward. Let us know uh, what information we can get out to help people avoid the virus. Thanks so much, Chris. I, I really appreciate that. Godspeed. We'll be right back. It is my great honor to introduce you to CNN Tonight and its big star, D. Lemon. The question for the Who's night. that? You, son. What is the uh, big question tonight? I say it is, at what cost, Don Lemon? For at what? At what cost? So you mean p- for what the president's doing or for what the Republicans are who enable? Forget the president. He does what he does, which is his worst. We, had the that, enablers. we said that last night. Yeah. The enablers. At what cost? <laughs> That's a big question. I mean, how much time do you, you have? You have an hour and uh, <laughs> you have 61 minutes and five seconds. <laughs> um, it's well, it's a, it's a cost to the nation. Now, I mean, we like to say democracy, but it's a republic, right? It's a cost to the republic. It's a cost to, cost to the American safety. What gets me about 
what he's doing. I know we had this conversation last night. It's really about his enablers. But it really, it, it really upsets me that he is, when he says don't count, that he's undercounting the votes of our men and women in uniform. And especially on a day like yesterday, um, that was really upsetting to me. But at what cost? We're going to have to find some way, I don't know, to, to get these people to find a backbone. There is no backbone. There is no uh, country above party anymore. It's party and my own uh, political ambition above you know, what is right for this country. That's really what it is. I had Adam Schiff on tonight, chairman of the Intel Committee. You know, and he was saying, no, I think McConnell's going to do the relief bill. And I think that there's going to be pressure on them to do more. I don't know. I mean, look, I hope he's right. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. wants progress. Um, I think voters, all the voters in this election who voted for Biden or voted for the other guy uh, deserve that. But I don't see any sign of that. McConnell playing this game now to justify this special election makes it more likely that he's going to take opposition as culture, which makes it more likely that he's going to go hard on them. If they control the Senate, he can lock the game up again and all the appointments, especially the judicial ones. Well, listen, hearing from the lieutenant governor that you you've had on all the election officials, all the Republican and Democratic governors from all over the, the, you know, all the states who are battleground states, and they're all saying, there's no evidence right now. There's no systemic or widespread voter fraud. Um, if, He's, they're if, doing what they can for things, Trump in Georgia. They're hand-counting every ballot yeah, again. It's not on. what their law provides. Yeah, I know, but come on. You know what that is, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's going, bending over backwards to do what Trump wants. Well, no, it's about what's going to happen in January, and that is, and I'm not talking about the inauguration. I'm, talk, I'm talking about election. the special election. That's what that's about. And they can't, they've, got to, they've got to keep the people riled up, Okay. They've got to keep them riled up so that they have energy to go out to the polls. That's like the folks I saw today coming into work. I sent you the video. I'm on the LIE, and there's, like a, there's, a, there's a Trump parade with giant Trump flags. And I just wanted to, I didn't say, I just drove by and took some video of it. But I wanted to say, hey, it's over. Well, Trump says it's not over. He suggested yeah. he may run again. Well, there you go. Well, I, don't, I won't even go there. I, too, I will tell you one of the smartest things that you said tonight and you say a lot of smart things, oh. is that we uh, have, we've gotten better at treating this disease, at keeping people alive. It's not that it's changed, that it's morphed and all of that, or it's less uh, invasive or deadly or, you know, or infectious. It is that we have gotten better at treating people, at keeping them alive. You don't throw them on ventilators right away. You keep their, their lungs um, strong. And, you know, and, and the things that you went through, the advice that you gave people. Mm-hmm. So for everybody who's out there thinking, oh, well, it's no big deal, and I don't wear the mask, and I don't want the lockdown. If you don't want the lockdown, it's very simple. Just do what the experts tell you. Socially distance, look out for others, wear a mask, so on and so forth. And then maybe we wouldn't have to close restaurants down and all of those things. Which, which Who wants that? Nobody wants You know, I've got to tell you, though, this is like a real philosopher's dilemma because uh, you don't want to shut things down. It's scary. People don't like it. And it's been politicized. Right. But you don't have a lot of tools against this thing either. And, you know, you get it both ways as a politician. And I'm okay with that because that's what they signed up for. And, you know, if if they make the right calls, they win. If they make the wrong calls, they should lose. But. I'm going to, you know, in New York, my brother's now having to deal with this. Oh, we're going to close restaurants at 10. Well, you know, some people will be happy, some won't. Some will say it should be eight. 
Some would say leave them open. Some say it doesn't matter. And if the numbers keep getting bad, what other options do you have? Mm-hmm. And then you make the move that you have to make to keep people alive. Okay, let me tell you this. Edge. So we both have a friend who owns uh, restaurants here mm-hmm. in the city, uh, in, out in the Hamptons, and also in Palm Beach. Yes. But you know what the, he wants to know? He just doesn't know what to do. Do I have to have people out of my restaurant? My He's okay with whatever the governor says. He just wants to have some clarity about, do I have to shut the restaurant down? He's not going to get it. No more people. Like, they don't know what He's to do. He's not going to get it because that's, they do it on the fly. That's what they want to know what to do. But I tell you what, because I have to run. Here's what I have to say. And, you know, looking at hindsight, it's not even hindsight, it's 2020. We knew this. So for everybody who's saying, who's upset, oh, my God, I can't believe in these governors and these Democrat cities and all that, if we had done the right thing in the beginning, if you had done the right thing in the beginning, if you had believed in wearing masks, if you had believed in social distancing, if you had believed in all the things that Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and all the people were saying, not what the president was saying, perhaps we would be at a different place right now and you might be able to see your loved ones for Thanksgiving. That's all I'm saying. So this time around... Believe in the science. Do what the experts say. I got to go. I love you, I love you. Ah, I was going to try to beat you to it. All right, I'll see you. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.